Yes, I will sing for joy when my heart is heavy all my days. Oh, yes, I will for all my days. Yes, I will for all my days. Yes, I will. Well, it's great to have you all at Creekside this morning. Uh, we're glad to be here to worship the Lord together. And I'm grateful for that reminder that even in the hard times, as Job said, we will still praise him. And I'm just reminded of the psalmist saying, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Psalm 46 is definitely worth a read. <laughs> so um, so we're going we're gonna to stand and, and sing um, our first song here, um, just about following him. announcements. Not a lot going on this week, but we do have our men's and women's Bible studies are still meeting on Wednesday evenings, so you're welcome to attend that. There is a Shen's Chili Dog Party this uh, weekend, so uh, please uh, look at the sign-up sheet for that uh, if you're interested in uh, joining that group. Um, we are also going to be uh, starting up some small groups, uh, probably the first part of September, so if anyone's interested in that, if you're uh, interested in partaking or sharing in a small group, uh, please let me know. We're going to kind of forming groups here uh, pretty soon. Um, and one of the other things that I uh, kind of want to mention, and uh, Heather, why don't you come on up while I'm, I'm sharing this. So Heather came to the elders and said she really wanted to, uh, had, a, had a burden for the college students and uh, students, uh, undergraduates are going to be leaving home and going off to school and uh, had an idea for uh, a program to kind of keep them connected. So, Heather, I'm going to turn it over to you. 
Okay, so there are a lot of studies out there that look at college students and their faith. And it's really shocking to learn that anywhere between 65 and 75% of young men and women who were raised in the church and were professing Christians walked away from their faith before the end of college. That's right now. That's not in the past. That's happening today. And if you look at these statistics and you look at the studies that have been done and you ask why is this happening, there are a couple of reasons that really stand out as the key reasons for this. One of the first is um, that their faith is just, it's hard to stand up. It's hard to have a strong enough faith when you're outside of your comfort zone where you've been your whole life around your family and your people that you know. When you're outside your comfort zone, it's hard to have a strong enough faith to stand up to unbelieving roommates really liberal professors, um, questionable events, uh, and other types of social pressures that are taking place. Um, the second reason is that most students that are coming to college who have been in the church, the biggest reason that most of them were going to church in the first place was because of their parents. And most of these students haven't really thought about if they have their own personal faith, why they have a faith, or even they just haven't made connections within their church to make it feel like it's their church. It's their parents' church, not their church. And so when we couple these factors together, it really creates the spiritual graveyard for many students. So this is why I was hoping and praying about having an opportunity here at Creekside to challenge these statistics. So what we're doing is we're forming a new college care ministry, and the goal of this ministry is going to be connect, to connect with, encourage, and pray for our college students. So what we're doing is we're looking for individuals here at the church, couples, or entire families to adopt one of these students for just one month out of the school year. It's not a really big commitment, just one month you can adopt a student. And when it's your month, I'll send you an email reminder along with some information about that student. And then what you'll do is you'll pray for that student each day that month and send them a note of encouragement in the mail. Okay? It's that simple. Yeah. Yes, you can send something other than a note. So if you would like to send them a small college care package or maybe a gift card for gas or groceries, you're welcome to do that too. The only thing that we're asking though is send them at least a note in the mail just to let them know that you're praying for them that month and, and that you're trying to you know, reach out to them with some encouragement. And again, if you would like to send them something more, you can send them something more. Um, and so... Yeah, so not only by doing this, not only will you be supporting our college students with prayer and encouragement, but you'll also be helping them to know that this isn't just their parents' church. You're going to be helping to form those individual connections with these students that help them to know this is their church. And even if they don't come back to this church once they graduate school, they will still know that there are people in the church that care about them individually and not just because they know their parents. And so then that would encourage them to reach out and find another church wherever they're at or once they graduate and they're in a different area. I want to still have that kind of same connection with those people at Creekside that supported me when I was in college. So what we'd like to do right now is have our college students come up here. We're going to have them introduce themselves to you so you know who they are. And uh, we'll pray for them. And then I'll tell you about how you can sign up to be part of this. So we're looking for uh, Cora, Colin, and Timothy. And we had one other student who wasn't able to be here with us today. She's already back on campus. Her campus job um, just required her to already be back there and starting work. So 
Uh, Rose Vanderlinden is the one that's not able to join us right now, but she is one of our four college students this year. And what we're going to ask these students to do is to introduce themselves to you, tell you their name. Make sure you're paying attention. So your, their name, the college that they're going to be attending, what year that um, what year they're in, and then what their intended major or career goal is. Hi there, my name is uh, Tim. I go to uh, Dort University in Sioux Center, Iowa, and I am majoring in mechanical engineering. I plan on getting a master's in aerospace engineering, hopefully, after I finish that. And yeah. I'm Colin. I'm attending Iowa State University. This is my second year in the industrial design program, so I'm hoping to do something with that after I graduate in a couple of years. Uh, I'm Cora. I'm going to the University of Iowa. It's my freshman year. I'm majoring in linguistics and hearing and speech sciences on the speech pathology track. And we also, again, I mentioned, I mentioned Rose, and she'll be a junior at ISU, and she is majoring in elementary education. All right, so if we could have some of our elders come up to pray for these guys. Dear Lord, uh, we just want to lift these students up um, as they're going off back to school. Lord, uh, just uh, strengthen them, be with them. Let them know that you are uh, their father uh, and their shepherd, and you are with them in, in directing their paths. Uh, keep them connected to this church, and, and we just, uh, as a body, lift them up and want to make them feel loved and welcomed uh, whenever they come back uh, to this area. Uh, Lord, just uh, give them wisdom and strength and, and blessings uh, as they, they start this uh, college year. In the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. So if you'd like to be involved in this ministry, what you're going to do today is in the hallway, when you leave today, you're going to see some sheets like this out on the table. So this is what you're going to look at, look for. We're going to have these sign-up sheets in the hallway as you leave. Can you sign up for more than one student? Yes, you can sign up for more than one student if you would like. There are eight slots available for each student. This is just during the school year. So if you'd like to sign up to adopt one student, you may. Or if you want to adopt all of them at some point during the school year, you can do that too. All right. If you have any questions, you're welcome to come and find me after service. Did she plant you there, Mike? Did she plant you there? No? Seem, seemed like a plant. <clears throat> that's, that's good stuff. Thank you, Heather, for doing that. I uh, was speaking at Camp Elam in Colorado a couple weeks ago and brought up that statistic of the 70% uh, abandon their faith. I had all the, you know, there were 70 students there, and I had them, hey, if you believe in Jesus, on the count of three, we're going to yell, I believe, and then went on and, you know, everybody's screaming, shouting, but shared that. And we talked through John 8, and John 8, uh, Jesus telling them he's, you know, about, about the truth, and at the beginning of it, it, it makes that statement to, to the Jews who had believed, and by the end, that same group wanted to kill him. Now, that's how drastic it was, and how difficult it is to follow Jesus, because uh, his words are not easy, right? And so, you get to a point in life, uh, especially that time, where you encounter some of that. It's not easy uh, to follow Jesus, um, so we definitely want to continue to pray for him. Uh, relationships are an important part of our walk uh, in with him, and that's what we're going to talk about today, faithful friendship, uh, and so uh, kind of a great lead in thinking 
about those relationships we have and the, the great need uh, that we have for them. So I'm going I'm to share three different places here, 1 Samuel 18, 19, and 20, just a few verses in each. It's about the relationship of Jonathan and David, a, a special friendship and something we can look at and certainly learn from in our own lives. Uh, <clears throat> uh, Psalm, First uh, uh, Sam, I'm sorry, I said Psalm, First Samuel uh, chapter 18 uh, the first four verses there. After David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan became one in spirit with David, and he loved him as himself. From that day, Saul kept David with him and did not let him return to his family. And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Jonathan took off his robe he was wearing and gave it to David, along with his tunic and even his sword, his bow, and his belt." 1 Samuel 19, verses 4 and 5 says, Jonathan spoke well of David to Saul, his father, and said to him, Do not let the king do wrong to his servant David. He has not wronged you, and what he has done has benefited you greatly. He took his life in his hands when he killed the Philistine. The Lord won a great battle for all Israel, and you saw it and were glad. Why then would you do wrong to an innocent man like David by killing him for no reason? And then 1 Samuel 20, verses 40 to 42. Then Jonathan gave his weapons to the boy and said, go carry them back to town. After the boy had gone, David got up from the south side of the stone and bowed down before Jonathan three times with his face to the ground. Then they kissed each other and wept together. But David wept the most. Jonathan said to David, go in peace for we have sworn friendship with each other in the name of the Lord, saying, the Lord is witness between you and me and between your descendants and my descendants forever. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the lives of David and the life of Jonathan and their, their special bond and friendship. God, as we look and examine our own lives, uh, we want to see the necessity for friends, the necessity for a faithful friend like Jonathan was to David. Uh, God, so show us that, teach us that, and help us to live that. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. When I was in kindergarten, well, this is, I'll go back to kindergarten here a second ago, but a couple of years ago, a buddy of mine texted me a picture, and it was a note I had written him in kindergarten, and it was simple. It just said, will you be my friend, yes or no? And fortunately, he had checked yes, and he had kept it all that year, and uh, my friend Andrew, who is my longest friend, been friends since we were, his mom started babysitting me when I was, I don't know, five, somewhere in there. And so here we are, we've been friends some 40 years, and he still has that note, right? And I wish friendship was, was that easy. You know, I had to work for my friendship with my wife a little more than that. She rejected me 20-some times before she finally said yes. So it's not always easy as just checking a box, yes or no. And friendship isn't easy. Uh, it, it's difficult, it's hard, and uh, it, it, it takes a, a lot um, uh, for, to, to really grow and develop deep and meaningful friends and friendships. There are four things I want to look at today as we talk about faithful friendship. Uh, first of all, faithful friendship is crucial. Faithful friendship has a connection. Faithful friendship has courage. And faithful friendship has a covenant. So as we look at the life of Jonathan and David and their friendship, four things I think we see. 
It's crucial, it has a connection, it has courage, and it has a covenant. So uh, we'll, we'll start kind of at the beginning that the faithful friendship is crucial. Now, if you know the story of, Jonathan, uh, of David, so David now at this point in the story here in 1 Samuel has won many battles, right? He's been a great warrior. He's defeated the giant Goliath. And so the nation of Israel, they, they love him. They think very highly of him. And in that happening, Saul now has a different opinion of him. Saul has become jealous and envious of his popularity and his success. And as you look through this portion, you're going to see uh, throughout uh, here that Saul attempts to take David's life six different times, right? And so now here, David, <clears throat> who is brought away from his family, he's done all these great battles, and now Saul brings him into his court, brings him into the kingdom. And uh, I saw one commentator talk about that this was probably the most dangerous time in David's life. And so in one regard, you, you look at him and he's in the inner circle, right? He's in the court, he's here with the king, but yet so dangerous that the king himself wants to kill David and attempts to do it six different times. And so as we talk about the, the friendship of Jonathan and David, this most dangerous time of his life Literally, it's Jonathan who comes alongside it and physically saves his life. Uh, Eugene Peterson said, In short, during this most dangerous chapter of all of David's life, this deep friendship with Jonathan bracketed the evil. In this most dangerous time, this friendship bracketed the evil. He, he never would have made it literally without the friendship of David. And you think of that type of friendship, that when we experience trials and troubles and tragedies, without true friendship, you will sink. And one thing I think we'll see as we look at this and we look at the importance of it, like we are created to have these type of friendships. And if we don't have those type of friendships in our lives, when the struggles and the trials and all those difficult things come in life, if we don't have that around us, we'll sink. And David is blessed to have a friend truly like him. Friendship is what sustains his life, and it's what sustains your life and my life. Uh, studies show, and there's many multiple studies show, that those with close friends have better health and longer life with true, meaningful relationships and friendships. Now, we talk about marriage in this because certainly, you know, a good marriage would have a deep and meaningful friendship. And, uh, but you think about marriage, it, it's not the romantic aspect of marriage that gets you through those times. It's the friendship within that marriage, right? And that doesn't happen certainly overnight. I think of, uh, you know, Karen and I's marriage, and you think of the, the most difficult times with, within the marriage, it was that friendship uh, that we have and that has grown through, you know, what, 20 years. You got it, Paul. I, I, I found it right there in my mind. It's coming up in a couple weeks. But 20 years of marriage, you know, and it's that friendship that we have that, that has, has helped sustain through those, those most difficult times. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's crucial, right? And so wh why is this crucial? If you look all the way back, why is friendship so crucial? Faithful friendship is so crucial. If you look back and all the way back to the beginning, and God is creating the world, and he created something, and what would he say? It is it's good. It's good. And he would create something. It is good. It is good. It is good. It is good. Right? And he creates all these things and says it's good. 
And for the first time, we see in Genesis 2.18, it says, it is not good. It is not good. And what was not good? For man to be alone. Now, that's interesting uh, for sure. Suddenly, after all these good things are happening, we have something that is not good. Now, keep in mind, Adam is where at this time? He's in the Garden of Eden, right? Now, you think about what the Garden of Eden was. It's like how it's supposed to be. And so Adam, in this place, this paradise, he's living in paradise, okay? He has a, a relationship with God. Like this is what a relationship with God is intended to be. And so he has all these things. God has created all these things, and God has said all these things are good. But then here's David in the garden, paradise, with this relationship with God, and yet him alone, it's not good. And we look at that and we might say, okay, well, then there's got to be some sort of flaw in the design, right? There's got to be a flaw, right? He's in paradise. He's with God, and yet it is not good. And we know that there's no flaw in the design. Uh, Jonathan Edwards says, the only possible reason the first human was lonely in the garden was that God made us need others besides himself. Like that's how we were created. Certainly we need God. Certainly our relationship with her, him is first and foremost. But he has created us to have a need for others. That's how he's created us. And it goes back to him. Before there was a, a, a universe, before the world existed, God existed as a trinity. Right? Father, Son, Spirit. Like that friendship. The creator himself has that. And so when you look at how he designed us, he designed us in need of relationship, in need of friendship. And it goes all the way back to him. The flaw, certainly not in the design. And yet so many times, people, I'm, I, I fall into this, we, we sacrifice relationships, we sacrifice friendships, we sacrifice family relationships because we're trying to move forward in life, right? And it might be in business, it might be in social aspects, it might be in whatever. We're, we're trying to move forward. I think of the person that won $1.2 billion, right? And you would think, now I've got it. I could build the nicest house, I could have several homes, I could have all these toys, I could do whatever. But if Adam was in paradise, the perfect home, yet was unsatisfied, all that is not enough, is it? Like we are built for relationship. We are built for, for, for friendship. Uh, and there's this dependence that we need. Relationships, faithful relationships are crucial. And that's the first thing we want to know, that we're, we're created for that. We're created for friendships. We're created for relationships. It's in the design that God had planned that we would have these friendships and these relationships. Uh, the second thing, if we go back to, I'm going to read uh, 1 Samuel 18, 1 through 4 again. After David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan became one in spirit. I mean, that's an amazing thing. One in spirit. And he loved him as he loved himself. From that day, Saul kept David with him and did not let him return home to his family. And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. 
some incredible statements. They're one in spirit. He loved him as himself. I mean, those, that, that is an incredible statement, an incredible picture of what a friendship looks like. One in spirit, loved as he loved himself. And so the second thing we, we see here is faithful friendship has a connection. It's a deep connection. Uh, and a few things I want to talk about. First of all, I think there's a transparency uh, in a deep and personal relationship, that you're transparent with someone. This is a difficult thing for me. I don't like to be transparent because I don't like people to think negative of me. I want them to think I've got it all together, right, that everything's good, don't have to worry about a thing. And I think if we're all honest with ourselves, it's probably never true. Uh, but for me, that's, you know, I put up this front because I, I don't want people to know. Uh, it's probably some sort of insecurity or, or whatever it might be, but I don't want people to know my struggles. I don't want people to know that, you know what, sometimes not everything's n- not okay. Uh, it, we see with Jonathan and David, like, letting their guard down, and there's this tr- tremendous transpar- uh, transparency that takes place. Uh, it happens uh, in, a, in a few ways. One, with deepest feelings. Uh, we're going to see in uh, chapter 20 there what happens. Like, they kiss and they weep. And there's this great emotion. And so I look at that and I'm like, man, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Uh, maybe they're just talking about, you know, just in some sort of sense there's that. But you think about the emotion of even weeping with someone. And if you've been in that moment in your life when you have, you've wept and a significant other, your spouse or a friend has been there to weep with you. Like there's, it's a special moment to look back and think about. And I think, not that I don't cry, clearly, I mean, I'm a man, but no, but you think about those, that's not true, I was going back to my insecurities, uh, but you think about those, the, those times, and I, I, I think about the vulnerability of being open like that with someone, like David, Jonathan, together there in 1 Samuel 20, man, weeping together, uh, there's, there's just this, this sense of uh, transparency among them. Uh, I think also you think about just common life and going through life together. We like, Karen and I, like to get, you know, dressed up and go out and have a date. But that's not, I mean, it's, it's special. But you think about what really makes a friendship, even in a marriage, is just being able to do the mundane, everyday life together. Like my favorite moments are just me and her just sitting on the couch and I got, you know, sitting in my PJs or whatever it might be. I'm not dressed up. I probably haven't taken a shower in three days. But I just get to be there, right? It's just, the, the, just those moments, the mundane. Like, that's, that's friendship, right? And you think about people in life that you can just, I don't have to get my house all ready to go. They can just come and they can see how it is. You know what? I don't have to get dressed up. We can go get takeout together. But we just do life together. Uh, you, I think another aspect of that transparency is that friends let you see flaws and weaknesses. And that's tough. I just said that. I mean, that's a difficult thing for me to let people see flaws and weaknesses. I know it may be shocked that I have them, but I do. I have flaws and weaknesses. I just don't, I don't want people to see them. But to have that true friendship, we, we have to let our friends know and see those flaws and weaknesses. And quite honestly... It's our friends that see them more than we do, right? A, a true friend in those friendships are going to be able to see things in yourself that you can't see. And so it's important to have those type of people in your life that are willing to speak truth into you, even though you don't want to hear it, and be able to tell you, like, hey, you know what? This is an area 
lovingly and gently, but this is an area in your life where we can grow. Uh, we can see those. And, and for me, what's my response in that, right? Uh, and to be that type of friend. Uh, Hebrews 3.13 says, but encourage one another daily as long as it's called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. So to have a friend that can come alongside and encourage you in those moments. Proverbs 27.6, the wounds from a friend can be trusted. The wounds from a friend can be trusted. And that's what he's talking about. He's, he's talking about the, the ability for a friend to come alongside and speak truth into your life of maybe change that needs to happen to your life. And us giving a friend permission to do that. When we have great and deep and meaningful relationships, that's us saying to our, our friend, I want you to be able to come alongside and tell me where I need to grow, where I'm not living in the light, where I'm not pursuing Jesus. Like we need friends in our life that are willing and we have given them permission to come along inside and do that. And a spouse is great. Like we, I, I hope that you know, you, you can experience that in your life, that you have that, but you need more than that. Uh, I, I, you, as a woman, you need other women to see those things. As a man, you need other men to come alongside and have those type of relationships with. And that I wouldn't get mad or defensive if you did tell me that. I mean, I haven't given you permission, understand that. So if you're going to come up and tell me my flaw, I might give you permission. My wife has permission. So you can tell your, my flaw to her. But So, uh, there's this common ground, though. There's this connection. Faithful friends have a connection. C.S. Lewis uh, wrote this in his uh, book, Four Loves. It says, the essence of friendship is the exclamation, you too? The essence of friendship is the exclamation, you too? I think of how many times I've been outside of the state of Iowa. Maybe I was at Disney World or I was in California or Colorado or wherever. And I can remember moments where I walk by someone and they're wearing an Iowa State shirt. And I'm like, we just, do we just come best friends? That's my guy right here. I don't know who this person is, but like there's this instant bond because this guy's a Cyclone fan. And so I see a Cyclone fan and we might high five and I don't know this guy from whoever, right? But I see him and there's this connection, right? Because we have this common ground. I'm not in Iowa, but here's a Cyclone fan. So we gotta love each other. And you, that's the sense. When you have a friendship and a friend and there's this sense of like, you too, you love that, you enjoy that, and this common ground and this connection uh, that we have. Um, you can look and, and through you know, this church, outside of this church, wherever, and there's many godly people, but not all of them are going to be close friends. Now, we could all be friends, right? I mean, certainly, but I think you're only going to have a few of those deep personal friendships where there's that connection. You, you first, obviously, to have that common ground in our relationship and love for Jesus is first and foremost. But then other connections in your life, like that's the foundation, but there's other connections in life that just kind of draw you to each other. And those are, are special friendships when you have those. When you can say, oh, you love that too? Like that, that brings joy to your life as well. And I think there's a connection in that. You look even, even Jesus, who, man, there were masses that follow him. He had friends. He had his 12 disciples. But even within the disciples, there seemed to be a few more that there was almost a special bond with. And so we're, we're created for friendship. But at some point, like, there's those that are in your almost inner circle, those, that handful of people that they can call you out. They can tell you. Hopefully they encourage you as well. 
but they can, you know, speak truth into your life and challenge you where you need to be, to be challenged. But faithful friendship has a connection. It's a connection uh, that we all need and we should have, and that's what friendship looks like. So faithful friendship is crucial. Faithful, faithful friendship has a connection. Uh, and the third thing is faithful friendship has courage. Faithful friendship has courage. I, I love the courage uh, of uh, Jonathan as you look in chapter 19, Jonathan spoke well, this is verse 4, Jonathan spoke well of David to Saul, his father, and said to him, do not let the king do wrong to his servant David. He has not wronged you, and what he has done has benefited you greatly. There are friends in life, and then there are friends like Jonathan. And Jonathan was a friend with the kind of courage he was willing to risk it all. To have a friend like that, now you think about friends in your life, but think about a friend who is willing to risk it all for you. <laughs> I mean, that's, in, that's an incredible statement that there's a friend out there who would risk it all for you. And that's who Jonathan was to David, a friend who was willing to risk it all. David was saved, he was protected from evil, and Jonathan allowed him to be released who he was meant to be, and that was the king. So you think about Jonathan and who was Jonathan? He was, the, he was the son of the king. So Jonathan is giving something up for David. I mean, Jonathan's gonna met, probably meant to be king. And he gives that up because David is God's anointed one, the one who is meant to be king. And I think Jonathan probably recognized that. And there's this bond and friendship that Jonathan says, okay, it's not about me. Right? You, you, we read it earlier. Loved him as himself. And he was willing to give that up for his friend. You go back to the beginning and he, he took off his robe and there's this, he, he begins to, he takes off his robe and his sword and all these things. And you look at this picture of him giving up his right to the throne so David could have it. Uh, we, we are told that he took his sword and gives it to David. And the picture of it is that when someone uh, would hand you a sword, it'd be hilt first. And there's this incredible vulnerability if I'm handing you the sword hilt first. Because that person, you're saying, you can do whatever you want to me. Like, my life is in your hands. And that's the picture, right? Jonathan, I love him, loved him as myself. There was, their souls became one. That's what he's saying to David. Like, hey, my life is in your hands. And there was this deep thing. And, and, and Jonathan showed incredible courage. He's saying he'll serve him to death if he had to, right? He hands him that. And guess what? What happened to Jonathan? It led to his death. It led to his death. Jonathan, uh, who was an incredible friend, but he was also uh, loyal to his father. And so here's Jonathan, a great, again, uh, I think a great picture of a guy who had this deep friendship and this deep love. And he was willing to give his life up for his friend. And so if he sided with his dad, his father Saul, what would happen? Well, David would have died. If his son, Jonathan, says, all right, I'm with you, dad, Jonathan would have lost his life. Uh, or David would have lost his life. Because Jonathan literally saved David's life. Now, if he had sided uh, with, his, with David, his friend, well, he would have ran, he would have been free, and all of those things. But here, here is this picture, and I love the picture 
that, uh, that Jonathan gives us as a loyal friend and a loyal son as well. As a result, he got David away but stayed with the father. And if you think about Saul, Saul was out of control. Saul was losing it. Saul made terrible decisions both in life and in the battlefield. And he chose to stay and eventually led to his death. Now, I, I love Jonathan. I love looking at this. He loved him as himself. He had courage. He stood up. I mean, he literally was willing to give his life and lay his life down for his friend. And it's a great picture of what friendship looks like. And it's, it's hard for me to look at, at Jonathan and say, oh, man, I can do that. But we get a picture of how to do that. And that picture is Jesus. Jesus gives us that picture of what it looks like. If you look in John chapter 15, Jesus himself, he says, I no longer call you servants, but I call you friends. And so Jesus gives us the greatest picture and the greatest example of what it is to be a friend. Now, Jonathan didn't have that, right? He, he, didn't, he didn't have and wasn't able to look back at the life of Jesus, but we can. John 15, no greater love than that of laying your life down for a friend. Like it's the greatest thing that we could do to lay our life down for a friend. Jonathan gave us that. A great picture of what that friendship was. Willing to lay his life literally down for his friend. Jesus himself came into the world as the ultimate friend. Right? You think what, it, what he was meant to be. Well, he took off his robe. He took off his robe. Gave up being the king. He took the wound gave up the throne, and instead became vulnerable. And so you look at the cross, you look at the picture of the cross, and there it is. Like, that's the perfect example, the ultimate example that we have of what a friend does. Gave up what he deserved and took what he didn't upon himself, what we deserved. And so he gives us this great picture. Friends open up, and they never let you down. That was Jesus, true friendship, true friendship. And you think about Jesus and the example that he gave. I mean, this is, uh, you would like it to be returned, but you think about the end of his life and what were his closest friends doing. Well, he was in the garden praying and they were sleeping. And when the time came, they ran and they denied him. And yet what did he still do? He still gave up his life for his friends. What an incredible thing, and it's an incredible example. Like, friendship is not about what I'm going to get in return, right? Like a true friend, like Jonathan, loved him as himself, and they were one in spirit. Like, it didn't matter what David was willing to do for him. It's like, I, I love you so much that I'm going to do this, and there's nothing in return for that. So, it starts to have true great friendship. It starts with us being a great friend. It starts with like that friendship to me looked like it started with Jonathan choosing those things. A oneness, loved him as himself. Here, my sword, my robe, my kingdom, you know, like here, you can have it. And I think because Jonathan entered into that, David probably responded the same way. And so for us, when we think about and we need in our life great friendships, and we should desire great friendships, like it begins with us being 
great friends. An example, ultimate example through Jesus, uh, but that example through Jonathan as well. When we move into relationships with that kind of gospel power, it's going to invoke others to do the same. And so it's going to begin with us. Love as I love myself. A deep connection. Uh, The final thing we see is faithful friendship has a covenant. And so we're going to see in the here uh, 1 Samuel chapter 20, verse 42, Jonathan said to David, Go in peace, for I have sworn friendship with each other in the name of the Lord, saying the Lord is between you and me and between your descendants and my descendants forever. So if you go to 1 Samuel 18, this covenant begins, and you go to 1 Samuel 20, and this covenant is renewed, okay? Now, what I love about this is, well, you've got a guy who's, we just talked about it, like Jonathan responds, and there's not looking for something in return, right? I'm like, Jonathan's just, I'm going to be a friend. Now, right now, I'm, uh, I have a phone with, and my service is with Verizon, and you know, there was one point I was with AT&T for like 10, 15 years, but my service in my house wasn't great. And so I was tired of it. And I'm like, I'm going to get better service. So I went and I thought Verizon was going to be better service. Well, it's been worse. I was in Colorado two weeks ago, and then I'm in the mountains, can't get reception, so I drove into town. Well, then I start like dialing my number to listen to old messages. And there was three old messages from like months bef- before that my phone had never given me. And you know what? I am getting rid of Verizon right? Because I, I cannot stand that Verizon would do that to me. And so many times, like in a business world, that's what a relationship looks like. Like I don't want Verizon anymore because it's not giving me what I need, okay? And so this is how a business relationships work. I mean, if you're going to go search for a phone or search for car, whatever, insurance, like I'm going to start comparing and who's going to give me the most coverage for the best deal and I'm going to take it, right? And so that's a business relationship and that's how it works in the business world. Well, Somewhere along the lines, you know, the, I don't know, hundreds, years, however it might be, that business aspect kind of bled over into everyday relationships because it wasn't always that way. But that's how it's become. Like, friendships now look like, what are you going to give me? And if you don't perform, you know what, I'll go find a friend that will perform. And so now people are treating every relationship almost like it's that business relationship, that I'm going to look for what you're going to give me, and if you're not going to give me what I need and what I want, I'll go find somebody that will. Well, that's not true friendship. I mean, that's not covenant relationship. It's not covenant friendship. Covenant relationship is not a means to an end, but the end itself. So when we go into a friendship with a mindset that I'm going to get whatever I want, my needs fulfilled, well, we miss it. It's not true friendship. It's not covenant relationship. In a covenant relationship, your individual needs come after the relationship. I think Jonathan displayed that. Like, it's about the relationship first. And when a relationship's like that, man, those, those things probably are fulfilled. But so many relationships start with me trying to fill needs instead of caring more about that relationship at uh, the, the, how the importance of that relationship. You know, marriage is a perfect example like that. It, it should begin with the relationship. And when the relationship is strong, man, needs are probably met through that relationship. Um, 
I, I think of uh, uh, this covenant with, with Jonathan and David. And what's beautiful about this covenant uh, with, with the two of them is, l- listen to the words that, that he leaves them with. The Lord is the witness between you and me, and then he continues, and between your descendants and my descendants forever. Like this relationship outlives our physical life. That's what Jonathan is telling him. Like our relationship, hey, it's a beautiful thing now, but it outlives us. Like a covenant relationship, a relationship built on Jesus, a relationship built on the Lord is one that is not just here and now, it's for all eternity. Man, to have those type of relationship, it's Jonathan and David. They had that. They had that friendship. They had that covenant relationship. Jonathan knew something, that a relationship built on the Lord is not just for this life, but it's for all eternity. Uh, Jonathan Edwards, he uh, penned a letter to his daughter as uh, his life was coming to a close, and he was referencing his wife in this letter. I'll just read you a small portion, but here's what it said. Dear Lucy, speaking to his daughter, it seems to me to be the will of God that I must shortly leave you. Therefore, give my kindest love to my dear wife and tell her that the uncommon union which has so long subsisted between us has been of such nature as I trust is spiritual and therefore will continue forever. Like, that's the picture. That's the picture. And I think Jonathan understood it. Like, hey, this is going to last for our descendants. It's going to continue on because the relationship is a covenant relationship. A friendship built on the Lord. Well, that's what we want. That's what we want in our lives, that we would understand that. The faithful friendship is crucial. Faithful friendship has a connection. Faithful friendship has courage. And faithful friendship has a covenant. That is friendship. Let's pray. God, we, we thank you for this picture of, of Jonathan. Uh, God, and how he loved David as he loved himself. How he and David had a oneness, a spiritual connection. God, we pray in our lives that we would first be that type of friend. The type of friend who willing to lay our life down. A type of friend willing to put the relationship over our needs. The type of friend that's willing to put our friend above ourselves. And God, we pray that you would bring people like that into our life. God, that's the design. That's how you created. You created us for relationship. You created us for friendship. God, bring those, help us first to be those people, but also bring those people into our lives. God, give us friends who will speak truth to us, even when it hurts. God, even when I might be mad about it or upset about it, uh, bring those people that would speak. But we thank you for the ultimate friend in your son, Jesus we are told it is by his wounds we have been healed. As we take communion, we remember this great thing that Jesus has done. These great wounds that he took for us to bring us into friendship with him. God, we, uh, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his life. We thank you by his wounds we are healed. We thank you for his friendship. Thank you, God. It's in your son's name. Amen.
Shelter like the 